You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Geek Card Check. Every week, we're going to pull on the threads of pop culture and decide if they pass the Geek Card Check. I'm really excited about this week because all three hosts are back in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while. Here we are. My name is Chris. I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And before we get started this week, we just wanted to take a moment uh, for our listeners who have not already heard to mention that Aaron Eisenberg uh, from Deep Space Nine, he was known for playing the Ferengi Nog. He has passed away uh, yesterday, uh, Saturday, the 21st. Yeah, He's had a long history of, I know, health complications. And so it's, mm -hmm. it is, um, I think it's sad and, and a long time coming as well in, in a really, uh, it was still surprising that to hear the news, but I knew it yeah. had been having complications lately. Yep. Yeah, there is a GoFundMe page up. It's uh, Garrett Wang, among others on Twitter, have um, put that out there. I think it's on my Twitter feed as well. So uh, that's for funeral expenses if you want to contribute to that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because you know I've <clears throat> never really known the actor all that much. I, I'm just familiar with the character and makeup. And actually, just a few weeks ago, we reviewed What We Leave Behind um, on the podcast. And his interviews were some of my favorite. Um, yeah, he really he's stood so out as some, Yeah, it's incredible. He seemed like an amazing person. So um, I'm definitely bummed um, and saddened to hear uh, his passing and wish, uh, you know, his family, friends uh, the best. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 Unbelievable. It's, it's, I actually, when I saw the news, I was definitely affected by it more than I thought I would be. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely yeah. sad. Definitely sad. Yeah. Alrighty. So this week we are talking about the movie Ex Machina, and we are going to take a topical rather than linear approach to discussing the film. So we wanted to give you uh, a brief summary of it up front, just to, maybe if you've seen it, but it's been a while and you just want to remember what it was about so you can follow our discussion. Uh, Tyler, can you go ahead and give us that? Yeah, so the IMDb summary reads, a young programmer, Damal Gleason, is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are our other actors in this, Tyler? So our big one is, like I said, is Damal Gleason, and then we have Oscar Isaac. Uh, so we have some some Star Wars alumni right there, and then uh, Alicia Vikander. It's really a, a kind of a a closed, almost claustrophobic movie. So there's really three main actors. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno is a, is a side character who, who comes in a little bit more toward the end. But yeah, it's it's kind of a a a almost an, a locked room. It's a single of. location. I yeah. love this kind of film. Single location horror movie is what this is. It is it's functional. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's it just. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this later. We'll get into all it's of that. Beautiful. Um, so this is like Alex Garland, writer, director. Do you guys have any quick thoughts on his films or your uh, opinion on him in general? Alex Garland, uh, I he's one of those guys who's he is coming up uh, in 2014. He made you know Ex Machina. This film, 2018, he made uh, Annihilation. Ex Machina is his his directorial debut, but he got started. Um, pretty well in the 90s. Uh, he wrote the novel The Beach, which was made into the film uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. He wrote the screenplays for 28 Days and 28 Weeks Later, Never Let Me Go, Dread, uh, which Dread is not the, the the culmination, I think, of his filmmaking. But, uh, but <laughs> I really, later, I'm sorry, I really enjoyed Dread. Oh, quite I did a bit. too. I did too. It just, it, it pales, I think, in comparison to, to 28 Days Later or Sunshine. But Well, okay. Yeah, but Dread, I mean, subject matter, let's just put that aside for just a moment. It's a good movie. No, it's a good movie. It's, it's really well, I mean, especially when you consider in looking at the other, you know, the source material and the other film, totally. like it is head and shoulders above the rest. Oh, yeah. Alina Headey has a great performance in it. Is it uh -huh. Carl Urban plays Judge Dredd, doesn't he? Yes, he it's certainly a, does. It's a good movie. His soundtrack is great, too. Yep. Um, but he's he's one to watch, I think. Um, I, he He seems to be right at the forefront and, and the, you know, the end of annihilation, which is maybe a movie we should cover. We could cover on here. Uh, but the end of annihilation is, is mixed in, in terms of, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, a lot I, of people, I love, did you like it? 
yeah. loved Annihilation. I went yes. to a and couple like, friends eh. and they hated it. Yeah. You were like, uh-huh. Oh, I man. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. It, it, it is a, it's a similar feeling. I think most of yes. these movies that he makes leaves you with that kind of like, it is, he does not like to end his films traditionally. You are no. left like, wait, what? Well, I, so I just watched that, I guess. Yeah, like yeah that was a thing that just happened in front yeah. of me. Yeah. Um, so he seems, I don't know what he's working on now. I guess I can't Halo. Up, he's, he's writing Halo right now. He though. is writing Halo. Well, that, and talk about a project that's been in development hell for however long. Was it Peter time. Jackson uh, at one yeah. point attached to it? And oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we kick off the discussion, um, I would like Chris to read Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics because this is something I want you guys to think about as we have this discussion. All right. I love how organized it is when Kate is when in Kate charge of the podcast. <laughs> it's so good. I get my assignment. We're like, well, what do you what do you want to talk about, guys? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So this is based on um, uh, the Will Smith blockbuster iRobot. Uh, here are the three. Right? Is that That's where, where this is it, from? No, it originates. No, no, I don't think so. I think Will Smith came up with these. Actually, he, he was on the set. It. Will Smith himself did. Okay, yeah. sweet. No, no, this is Isaac wow. Asimov. <laughs> wow, you guys! Wow, there are geeks <laughs> everywhere, just end. losing it right now. <laughs> I like to trigger the geeks every <laughs> once in a while. Triggered. All right, here are the three the laws. On the other side are just twitching. It's great. <laughs> Chris Nubbin. All right, the three laws of robotics are the first law: a robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Second law: a robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Can't say any problems with this at all. Third <laughs> law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the second or third or first laws. So there it is. It seems like a feedback loop to me. It can't possibly cause any issues or problems. <laughs> I'm sure uh, everything will be okay. Yeah. On that ominous note. <laughs> yes, yes. These are great, by the way. I, I, I love these laws. It's a, it's a great kind of way of starting a story out by just saying, okay, here are the things robot has to do, and then how can we weave an interesting story in between and get around these laws? I always love that. The same is true with like um, time travel movies as well. You set out right. the law, the expectation, and then you're like, oh, I didn't think about that mm -hmm. so i, I love this, that kind of stuff this also has real life application because this is coming up with google self-driving cars what you oh, know, AI? prevent them yeah. from hurting people so oh, yes. we're not going down that rabbit hole but i yes. felt like that was worth pointing out totally it would be great to have that discussion at some point real life you know but yes let's let's yes. let's let's put a pin in that for later okay chris that's a great segue into my first question which is about representation of ai in general like how does this film do with its representation and what connections did you notice to other science fiction stories and i'll start with tyler i think uh you know we're, we're kind of in this this new age of talking about ai and and maybe it's because you know as as I think you mentioned earlier, you know, we're, we're getting into, uh, we're getting into, you know, Google, things are getting closer. Uh, you know, the AI is getting closer to the potential reality. Um, I mean, it is, it is reality in some cases. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's a little bit more ever present. So we've, we've got like Westworld is my closest comparison to this. Yes. And I just, Chris, Chris has been way ahead of the curve on um, than me on this one. I just finished rewatching or watching through season two over the summer. Um, uh, loved it, was confused by some moments of it, but I, but I still really enjoyed it. And I would honestly say this is like, this is like the direct prequel to Westworld. Like you could see a lot of, a lot of the seeds planted. Not, I don't DNA think it's inspired it. one way or the other. I think, but just it is. It's so, um, it's so, uh, you know, um, I guess in the offing, it's it's about to about to come. Um, it's in so its infancy. It, it, like you see the infancy is. of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and robotics, like come into full fruition in this film. It's really, totally. it's really crazy. 
Well, mm-hmm. and Alex, Alex Garland himself uh, in an interview said the the future of this the time period of this film is ten minutes from now. For example, yeah. if somebody like Google or Apple announced tomorrow that they had made Ava, we would uh, we would uh, all be surprised, but at the same time we wouldn't be surprised. Not that not mm-hmm. that surprised, you know, because basically we just I think we all kind of assume that in some lab somewhere there there's a bunch of, you know, maybe not robot bodies, but there's in some lab somewhere somebody's yeah. working on AI. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Ava is the eve of robotics, if you will. Perhaps. Oh, it's totally. And Ava is even a form, a, a linguistic form of the word Eve. And we can get into the names, the other names, if you want later. Nathan's a prophet, things like that. But we could, uh, it's, it's, that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, I found really interesting the physical design and construction of, of Ava. And it wasn't just that they made her clearly a robot, but they didn't make her look like Data, where his artificial right. like skin and such, uh, they gave her a very distinctly feminine form. Um, they... Um, they didn't give her like she's not like Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm, where he's no. you know a full AI but his body is in no way uh, designed to look human. Well, and and they talk about that in the movie. They they get into uh, it's. I was really intrigued by this. Is one one of the bits I I actually didn't write down because I was kind of, I was kind of taken by by what they were talking about. He's. Damal Gleason, what's his name? Caleb, right? Caleb is his mm-hmm. name. He yes. is he's questioning Nathan. So Nathan, played by Oscar Isaacs, is kind of like this Bill Gates, Steve Jobs kind of crazy introvert inventor, uh, isolated in the mountains of Norway. Uh, <laughs> and um, and and Caleb asks him, "Why did you you made her female? Why did you make her female? That seems like you didn't need to. You could have just made her like a gray box." And yeah. Nathan says. Yeah, but sexuality's fun. You know, he he gives her the that seemingly on a whim, but then you you also get to see kind of the darker side of Nathan and and I don't think that I don't think that it is a whim and I think it's for some I think it's for a little bit of subjugation on his part, but that's mm. that's maybe a we're, different We're going to get into that this yeah. evening. Well, I definitely yeah, I would say I definitely think that's true. I mean, you see some mm. of his intentionality behind that and yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some gray area there as to whether he did that on purpose for um, his test subjects who were going to be coming in mm-hmm. and looking at it. So, right. Yeah. But from a purely intellectual standpoint, Nathan being pervy aside, there is a question of if someone is fully human, sexuality is a component of humanity. It's an aspect so, of is that necessary? Yeah. There's a question there, which. Well, even um, Data gets that, right? We find out Data is fully functional. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's. Uh, I think that's. I think that's that's a legitimate uh, way of looking at things. I mean, shoot, Siri, it, Siri is female, you know, in, in, at least in her voice. You know, it's not like the commercials where there's this lady, you know, running a microphone down, downstairs in, in Apple, but she she is, you know, Siri is female. We we speak of Siri gendered even, mm-hmm. which is intriguing. It's perhaps a human need to have but, but, something that we can relate to. But you yeah. can switch Siri's gender very easily just by clicking. A, a well, but that's that, that's even what I mean. It doesn't have to be female. It's just she's she, she's gendered can, either way. She's gendered. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, it, yeah. There, there's no neutral there. Yeah. You have right. to kind of you saying. Well, that is interesting though. I don't know. I I would maybe argue the fact that if you can be anything that the person who is interacting you with you wants you to be, that mm-hmm. does make a difference on what True. that yeah. that thing that thing actually sees itself as whatever yeah. that is so that you're projecting your right own, i don't know yeah. if that's what you call i don't know what you call that like you know it's it's anyway so we we can yeah that is an interesting conversation to have though because what is happening here is is that anyway that that's a completely different philosophical thing we can talk about that later Sorry. well that's that, that's westworld too right i mean that one of the major features of of westworld is these are not simply animatronic you know, um, anthropomorphic looking creatures or, you know, robots walking around on a loop. They are, um, they're in Westworld, they're built for sex. It's, you know, that's one of sex or violence, you know? And so we could even get into the basic human urges at that point, sex or violence, but there, there um, is a moment in this movie, um, where he's talking about the sexuality of Ava and asks, why did you do this? And, um, 
uh, uh, Nathan says, you know, it wouldn't have been interesting just to have them as like gray boxes. A gray box. Yeah. You know, a gray box mm-hmm. is not that is that's nothing. You know what I mean? There's no there's no drive there. There's no reason. And so sexuality gives you a reason. Um, you know, uh, a particular form uh, right. gives you uh, a reason. Um, and so that that kind of does shape Ava and in a huge way, the way that she looks. Mm -hmm. There's a moment where she quite literally puts new skin on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, oh, I have so much to say about that yeah, later. Yeah. So, so, all right, so, so, so guide us, guide us, Kate. Where are we headed next? Where, okay. where, where's interesting? Where, where are we going? Can well, I, let's just follow. Yes, can I ask you a question? Like before, before you, uh, maybe not before you move it to another one, but can I move us back? And, or maybe you have a you have a master plan that is is maybe bigger than Go ahead, mine. Um, the three laws of robotics. Uh, can we? I don't think they're used here. I they are not. They're broken. We're gonna get there. We're gonna by get the there. End. Okay. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. There's a reason why we started. Listen, Kate, okay. Kate's the captain. We're just Sorry. we're just passengers on our ship. <laughs> so lead us, Kate. Where we're headed? Where are we headed tonight? Well, I wanted to segue into you know with what you guys were talking about with her you know her identity and such. What makes someone human is is Ava Frankenstein's monster? What is she? Oh, she's certainly not human. I find this very interesting. People ask like, what makes human i i i think there's a difference you can say somebody is alive uh has consciousness right human is a specific species a specific kind of being um and i would say she's definitely not that um but is ava alive does she have consciousness maybe um i don't know i'd have to see a little bit more it seems as though she has drive uh, and free will i just watching um, uh, tonight with my wife, an episode of The Good Place, all about. If I don't know if you guys watched The Good Place or not. No, I haven't. I don't know why you aren't. It's the, one of the <laughs> best shows on television. It's amazing. It's all about philosophy, um, science. Oh, fi- yeah? Some of the best science fiction philosophy oh. I've seen ever. I sort of wrote it off, actually. That's mm. so. It's it's totally worth seeing. Oh, it's beyond worth seeing. It is oh, fantastic wow. okay. on every single level well written yeah. and i every time so anyway they had a discussion this episode tonight's episode was or the one we watched tonight was all about free will they were talking about what what does free will mean what does it mean to actually have choice um and do i actually have the ability or is it all an illusion of choice well, right yeah or is it all Oof. is it all uh nature versus nurture and i don't actually have any kind of control over who I become. And I think Ava obviously f- feels to me as though Nathan has put up a set of parameters in place where this kind of act was going to happen no matter what. I agree. So I'm not sure if Ava is fully functional, as we were saying, as she's like mm. fully formed, or if she's just following her programming. This yeah. probably isn't all that interested in talking about that. I, <clears throat> I know this is a lot about AI, but this movie more is a very similar to like Jurassic Park to me. I, I wrote where, down Jurassic Park so yeah. many times as I where, watched it. Where, and it's very similar to these laws of robotics where an inventor invents the gates and invents the rules and thinks I can control my creation within this thing. But then science always finds a way, life always finds a way mm-hmm. to break out. You know, you've got that wonderful speech by Ian Malcolm. You know, it, it breaks through boundaries. It, yeah, exactly. You, you just, you cannot control it. And that's what this is all about is, is that uh, it's a little bit of fear mongering of like, we should be afraid of AI on one level and just saying like, you, never, you don't know. You, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we don't know what the end result might be, here's something it could be. Um, so I find that fascinating. It's an interesting thought experiment, but I'm not exactly sure yeah. the question you ask, is she alive, human? No, she's not that, no. There's a moral aspect though, because if you create a sentient being and you then give it no freedom, is Ava a hostage then? I mean. So is so then is, is Caleb right for trying to set her free? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean. I think maybe. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like, again, like I don't know if we're, if this is what we're talking about. Great, um, but like it obviously has to do with like the the creator's like um, intent, right? And so mm-hmm. if this new creation can feel pain, like if Ava can feel pain, if she feels um, the a sense of existence, right? Mm-hmm. Then yes, um, that that creature deserves their own personal uh, rights. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I, I yeah. purposely don't say human right because I don't think, but living right, right? And right. In Star Trek uh, Voyager, the doctor, the EMH, he was fighting for EMH rights. Well, let alone um, measure of a man by, by data, or for not by data, but about data in Next yeah. Generation. Yeah. Right. And so so obviously, you know, there, there is that, that, that kind of level to, to pass over. You know, the Turing test, which is what most of this film is talking about is kind of just the first step of that which is a computer fooling a human into thinking that the human is having a conversation or is interacting with another human yeah and so that's the first step that doesn't necessarily mean the ai is alive though that just means Mm -hmm. you've created something that feels that way you know what i mean sufficiently sophisticated in programming or whatever but yeah yeah well and even in this in this case we even have the second step of that because like recently i wouldn't say the last three years or so there was something even in real life um there was something it was almost like that what they described with a chess computer like some somebody didn't realize they were playing a computer over chess or something like that and it beat them it's, i mean i so i would say in real life and even in in the real world of or in the in the imaginary world they've already he's almost done away with that he's like i'm not worried i'm not worried that you can't tell if if um, the subject is well. Yeah, blind the Turing test is just a pretense because otherwise, right. why show him Ava? And Caleb asks that question. And I wrote that down too, that forgetting on, that they yeah. had that discussion and said, yeah. "I was like, this is. It seems like he's 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 creating a flawed, uh, you know, test. Why? Why? Yeah, doesn't that doesn't that negate the validity of it? But what it really is is you have to not you have to know that she's an android or she's AI." and not care no and, no which, and actually care that that is that's the deal yeah oh i sorry i mean not care like not not care or not I, I differentiate know. you're just yeah. I, yeah i'm playing with your words i understand yeah. but what i'm saying is is that like you have to know this thing is artificial yeah quote unquote has been made by another human yep but is worthy of rights is worthy totally. of whatever and that's what and, i say by it, it works right right but that's what i mean by when i say nathan Nathan wanted this to happen. He just didn't yeah. think that it would. Like he didn't believe in his creation enough, and he didn't. Yeah. He didn't think that it would. T- he, it would. It would go to this level that the person would become I so obsessed. Differ. I you think, think differ. I think that's exactly why he brought Caleb in. It was not about the Turing test. He brought Caleb in to see if Ava could use Caleb for escape. I, I, I agree. If with she you. could be manipulative enough and fully, you know. Human presenting, or at least somebody that Caleb could create a relational bond with, such that she could manipulate him. Uh, yeah, I agree, but I I think he was again like I understand what you're saying, but he he thought he could control it, like he yes. thought he was in, okay. Yes, he has okay. the John Hammond syndrome again from Jurassic Park, where he is he's playing God the here, God he's above. All about that. Yeah, yeah his, yeah, his yeah. intent was not to die, right? No. Is that what you're right. okay? Good. I yes. want to make sure that because when you said he meant to do, I was like, I don't think he meant. Oh, he was so to die. shocked that his, his <laughs> yeah. lowly yeah, that moment was great. Yeah. His but, lowly yeah. creations were able to, to rose best up. Him. Yeah. Yes. Right. No, that, yes. That, that that was a great that was a great moment. At the very end, when you realize that, you know, the, Donald Gleason's character all along had the upper hand and was, yeah. you know, had planned all this and then purposefully and then, let him know. Yeah, yep. that was a great and twist. Then, well, and then yeah. it reverses again on that, and she she locks him in. That what did you? I'm sorry, I'm derailing this, but I genuinely was was so I I. I did not remember that specific thing. For some reason, I genuinely remember the two of them walking out and escaping. It's I, not I that just, kind of movie, my friend. I, oh, I know, I know. I, and and, and <laughs> so it's just I forgot. I really did. We forget. will talk about the ending, Tyler. We will. <sighs> what it all means. Remember, this is Kate's ship, and we're just passengers. Kate, <laughs> what's next? Where are we going? Keep us on course. Um, so I did want to talk about some of the visual choices the film makes because yeah. it really reinforces the the natural versus the unnatural slash constructed in this. Yeah. Down to, you know, the landscape outside yeah. and what we see indoors. But like, what did you guys notice? It's so interesting to me how uh, it looks like a shack from the outside. And I, yeah. you know, you can tell this is a low budget film, obviously, because it's it's shot, uh, you know, in one location 
The visual effects, however, do look fantastic on Ava. Um, I love, and again, like... $15 million like, is what this whole thing costs. It's amazing. Today is nuts, yeah. It's incredible. No, what I love is, is and this is mentioned right at the very beginning, you know, it's in the middle of nature, this amount of beauty everywhere, right? Yeah. And so you walk into like the first layer of his home, and it's, you know, exposed rock face in the living yeah. room, which is very glass cool. Glass to see through. Yeah, yeah, so you can see, you know, the lush wonderful greenery very like organic lovely and then the bulk of the movie takes place when there are no windows like you go yeah. below ground yeah and there's that 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 scene where you know they walk into his room that he's going to be staying in and he's like isn't this cool this is awesome and you know Don Gleason's character looks around and says you know yeah no this is going to be great and it's like oh okay Walter Isaacs is like well Isaac, no, not Walter Isaac. What's his name? Oscar. Oscar Nathan. Isaacs. Yeah. Nathan looks around and says, oh, there's no windows. Okay, I see that. But like it is the literal taking away of the natural, right? Like yeah. getting rid of the organic, like literally descending below what is, you know, kind of God's creation and, and descending mm -hmm. down into you know, man-made yeah. like domain. It is, and, it's and quite crazy to see. Into the lab essentially. Yeah. 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 It's great. It. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's all filmed in Norway at the Juvet Landscape Hotel. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. So at the beginning of the film, all of the landscape that we see as he's flying in the helicopter, I'm like, oh, this is just their way of showing that this dude has an insane amount of money because he can own all of that. He owns a glacier. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but then it becomes so pivotal all the times you get to see Nathan and Caleb outside of the house having conversations. And yeah. Ava can't leave. Ava right. wants out. Um, uh, Caleb references um, an experiment, a thought experiment from his time in college where they talked about, um, uh, what was it? Uh, a, a scientist can know everything about color. There's a scientist, she knows everything about color, but she lives in a black and white world. She can yeah. only see, um, like a black and white room, she only sees a black and white TV, and then she walks outside and sees color. Fe she feels color for the first time. Honestly, it was a watered-down version of Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Like, I was going <laughs> to say, it felt like yeah. the cave. The cave is much better. Number I don't one. know why they didn't just say that. But I don't anyways, know if there's rights yeah. issues or whatever, but that was a lame. Plato, Plato has maintained the rights over that. Yeah. One. He is reaching back 2,000 years from the grave. <clears throat> there's That's a, there's... some hardcore copy right there. <laughs> it's a, well, I just don't mean, I, I, what I mean is, is like if it's been used so much that they're just like, there's no reason for us to do this and we yeah, want to maybe. do our own thing. But it was, a, it's just, it was just so lame because I thought rewatching it, I was like, I'm trying to remember if the black and white thing came into its own there's a few moments where he Some has of the like shots are in black and in white. his dreams he sees her that way right, yeah right I, but i i just think even without the story that would have worked does that make sense mm -hmm. the story does really didn't do anything for me it didn't feel like it was saying anything it just felt like it was trying to be super like whoa th think about this yeah. pseudo philosophical yeah and i was just like when they should have just mm -hmm. used actual philosophy and just done it but that's fine <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, I also just noticed cameras absolutely everywhere. Totally, and totally. we even like in the first, I don't know, 30 seconds of the film yeah. have where his cell phone is scanning his face. And then we discover later on that that actually means something. Yeah. So, and, and again, not really science fiction. That's 100% real. Like that that part is firmly grounding us in the real world as I, I am paranoid enough that my camera is just watching me all the time well and that's the thing too that and this is we've already mentioned this but i wrote down in my is that all the technology is just around the corner like right. there's exactly. nothing in this that you don't like there's there's a conversation um that the the two main characters have with one another um or the two main men have with one another um in he's talking about where he got all this like data how he right. fed and created this amazing ai and you know his his response was, social media isn't what people are thinking; it's how people are thinking. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he used not, or yeah. he mm -hmm. used how people are thinking, and every single person on the planet, how they were thinking to mold these AIs and to create yeah. something that was uh, more you more more um, close to the real thing that we would consider to yeah. be the real thing. So that that was cool. That was I love that line that, that social media isn't what people are thinking it's how people are thinking i think that's that's kind of a cool you know light on on things mm -hmm. 
And there was multi-layers of voyeurism here because oh, we yeah. had, you know, the search engine vetting the world and, of course, the sort of dropped moment of, and the phone carriers know, but what can they say? Um, we have um, we have Caleb watching Ava through the cameras in his room. We have Nathan watching him in with Ava. But then once we realized that Caleb is actually the experiment, too, and not just Ava, like there's a whole other level of voyeurism throughout all of and, this. And he sort of knows it and is playing to it, you know, a few times, yeah. which is interesting. Well, it makes yeah. me wonder, like, there's a moment in the film um, where, what is Donald Gleason's character's name? Caleb. 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 Caleb, um, it makes me wonder, he realizes um, that obviously Ava is an AI. The, um, oh, yeah. The, uh, who's the um, the other actress? Um, Nathan. Oh. Kyoko. Yeah, she's an AI. He just found all of these other robots' bodies in um, uh, Nathan's yeah, room or whatever. Um, and then he's, it feels like he's questioning whether or not he is Mm -hmm. a robot right and so he's checking under his eye and he cuts himself open but i the razor but i don't think that's true i think he knows that was all a i think it's an act yeah i think so too which is which is kind of crazy to think because that's what you know gets um nathan uh the next morning to think he's got the upper hand and yeah. to be lazy and not he's got actually, him scared he's yeah. got him yeah yeah and it plays into that whole there's an, as soon as something is being observed it changes that experiment yes exactly and so like caleb knows he's being observed ava knows she's being observed and that adjusts their behavior accordingly yeah, yeah. i even like the imagery of of uh caleb and ava ava who is ostensibly the captive you know in observation and yet mm-hmm. his the way that we see him he looks like he's in a plastic box yes you know a, a, a cage box, yeah. observing her which is uh and, and she she's seated and it looks like she's observing him it's very very interesting yeah um it's and, everybody observing everybody oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um so one of the big points I really wanted to discuss from this movie stems out of the scene where um, she and Kyoko have already participated in killing um, Nathan. It's the scene where she goes in and she opens all of mm-hmm. the doors and finds the other um, robot bodies there of her predecessors. Right. And what she quite literally does is she puts on the skin and the spare limb of Mm -hmm. her forebears of the women who came before her functionally and she completes herself where he had not given her skin in the final piece she completes herself and and he had had broken off her arm uh, right so that you know she she had she had to piece herself back together literally right it's a very strong female empowerment moment of, of, you know, building quite literally from the women who came before her to then go out in the world and claim her freedom and her power. It was, um, it stayed with me for a while after watching it. What did you guys see with, with, um, this whole sense of, uh, her power consent, her as an object, like what sorts of things, um, did you see in the movie? Wow. It's a lot. That's big. That's a big thing. Tyler, why don't you tackle that? Because I'm going (laughs) to need a minute. Uh, What's intriguing, and and maybe this was done just for the test, um, but what is intriguing is all of the other – all of the other – models, I guess we we call them. There's like Mm -hmm. five, I think, in total, five other ones, something like that, um, are more – How do I say it? What? The skin. They're more completed. They're more. Well, they're more completed. Yes, they are more completed. Um, but I would say they are more, um, in your face sexualized. Yes. You know, um, whereas not, not that, uh, Ava isn't, um, I would say she is more sensual, whereas they are sexualized. Um, and you know, it's the, the, the way that she, it's so weird the way that she literally puts on clothes 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, and, and she's not given um, skin other than her face and hands. Um, you know, the rest of it is, is kind of a, a, a skeleton and, you know, you can see her inner workings and stuff like that. Um, the way that she puts on clothes is more um, sensualized. Whereas we see, you know, bits and pieces of a sex scene with, uh, with Kyoko and we see fully nude, the other models, but they're not, they are not, um, it it is a matter of fact, it's a lot like Westworld in that we see there's a lot of nudity in Westworld, but so much of it is just matter of fact, whereas Mm -hmm. hers, we don't see the nudity until the very, very end. Uh, we don't see the nudity and she is, um, she's more sensualized. And so it's, it's, I don't know if that was just done for the test or, or if there's a point we're supposed to get out of that. But Caleb's response to her does change. Exactly. Because we don't think of her as naked until she puts on clothes. Until she puts on clothes. For the first time. And he's watching as she takes them off. Right. Agreed. And so like that creates that dynamic. Um, And and maybe it's, it's supposed to be that he is, uh, that it's, it's a more pure attraction I guess for him and that she's not you know where he he seems to have an emotional attraction to her and because she's she's nude but it's like Barbie doll nude versus you know it's less than Barbie doll nude because she's got you know she's so obviously mechanical until Mm -hmm. you're totally right she then puts on clothes and then you know later on takes them off and then we get we get the the other aspect of his attraction to her so it's interesting yeah yeah Chris Oh, sorry. I want to give Chris a moment. Were you ready to say something, or I can keep going, Chris? If you no, no, keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all in because I feel like what I want to ask is who is the hero in this story? Um, Mm. That's what I really want to get across because I think, sure, all this is wonderful, but I have a, I have a. Anyway, so let's 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 keep talking. (laughs) Let's let's keep because I do want to bring up a couple of those things like. So, so let's, okay. get, let's keep going. Yeah. So I did want to talk about consent as it relates to power here, specifically with Kyoko. She has no voice, so she cannot oh, literally no voice. Literally. I mean, he explains it before Caleb knows that she's also an AI. Uh, when he thinks that she's human, he just says it that she doesn't speak English. Um, but that's even a kind of subjugation it's going she's on. Broken you have this person serving you can't yeah. actually communicate needs, wishes, anything. She's there to serve. You also can't say no when you can't speak in the same way. Yep. And like down to she dances on command. Like she oh. is there to serve his needs and nothing yeah. else. And whims. Right. And so whenever she finally um uh, once the plan is finally sprung with where, where Caleb had set the program, saw the doors had open, and she meets up, when Kyoko meets up with uh, Ava in the hallway, Kyoko's carrying a knife already. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. She brought a knife with her. Yep. And this is after we'd seen her looking at the Jackson Pollock painting, and she repeatedly, the camera throughout the movie, when other things are going on, will stop and take a second on her, letting her be a person more to the audience than to the actual people in the room. She's observing and taking in everything, even though she doesn't get to say a word. And so um, she doesn't get the option for consent at any point in this. But when she participates in the murder of Nathan, even though it costs her her existence, she finally has the power to express in a way no and it's her way of breaking free her yeah Yeah, it's her way of exactly and he literally knocks her mouth out yeah oh totally so but in the end and he went into this prepared for violence there was no question of talking the the two of them down he went in with you know i'm I'm going to beat them into submission with with very literally a symbol of if if we're going here with a symbol of masculinity of you know his dumbbells that he has been working out with and sweating and all this other stuff the entire movie and and beefing up he brings one you know down to 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 beat them in and and dies in the process but then also does ava go back to your room which is a creepily paternalistic way to say you know yeah. it, it just when he even says that with her too of of you know she sees me like her like her father isn't it you know doesn't it make sense that she would develop a crush on you even though that's he's still manipulating he's manipulating caleb but it's it's weird that he he also puts himself in that paternalistic role 
Yeah, that's his delusion. Oh, it's always oh, messed up. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Yeah, because as it, long as we're talking about consent, is it is it though? Is it though? Is it? I mean, he it, she is his child, right? I she mean, she is, but so is Kyoko. Yeah. Well, I oh, I, I I understand that, but I, but I'm saying like it's not like insane that he would say go to your room. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not insane that he feels no. like he should have a certain amount of. Um, say over her, right? I mean, I understand. Oh, if we go creator creation, you know, if we go the, that philosophical and, and theological for that matter, because he puts himself also in the position of God, it, like in this movie too. But yeah, it's. But it's I fine. just mean, I just mean like a pure like father daughter thing, sure. right? Like if if, and I, I, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm, let's keep going. But I, I, I just I find that interesting to say like that's really strange. But is it though like? He sees himself. Sure, it's it, you may say it's it's definitely twisted. I don't know if he had a sexual relationship with Ava or not. I you know I can't speak to that because I don't I don't feel like they go into. I don't that. think that they do. <laughs> I I don't think that they have a have one. No. Um, but if she's I only think, you know, he likes his women non speaking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean I don't I don't know that. And if it, that's the case, maybe whatever we can't say that. But I'm saying it's not really strange for him to feel like, hey, you're misbehaving go back and know that oh. she is powerful and that if if she is he off the rails to to. who knows what she could do if she gets out in the world you know what i mean it's kind of like the dinosaur and totally. hammond do you know what i mean like okay this is bad you got out of the cage yeah. go back you, you're you know it's almost like what is it the the horse um you know horses if you teach them young you you, you just use a small little oh, string yeah. and attach them and, and and show that that like will hold them. They think it'll hold them. You you can when put way anything, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and even though they're way more, yeah, exactly, way more powerful. Could bust out. They don't do it because from very young they've been told no. You th- this right here will hold you, um, and and you'll have to stay there. So, yeah, I I think that's kind of more what we're saying is is that. Right, but this kind of hits one of the, my believability problems with the movie because when she is grappling on the floor with him after she hits him like a linebacker, he can physically like flip her over and take her, and I'm I'm thinking like Data's super strength that she clearly does not have. Well, I think well, I, I, think, I a think a part of that leverage. Well, no, I think a part of that is is that she actually is afraid of him on some level. Like mm, at, at at this moment, she is rethinking and replaying like the horse, you know, and and the rope. Yeah thinking oh he maybe he is right and then kyoko is that her name yeah mm-hmm. takes the moment and she realizes oh that's right we do have power i am my oh, own person she rises yeah. up that that moment he, she, he yeah, that's a he great shot oh it's so good he he uh-huh. almost the way that the knife goes in both ways it's so weird to be talking about this but like the way that the knife goes in in both cases and it's the sushi knife they were using earlier it's almost loving in a weird, in a weird, messed up way, it's almost like just tender. Like just goes in. It's not brutal and gory, like you know, in a horror movie where we're just slashing and hacking and stuff. It's just, whoosh, and then you see uh, Ava rise up behind him. He turns around and and I think that's when he knocks knocks her uh, jaw off, uh, knocks Kyoko's jaw off, and then Ava completes it. But it's never, it's never excessively gory. You know, yeah. it's 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 so precise and controlled it's it's interesting yeah I think. so in this moment of them breaking asimov's laws of robotics <laughs> yes arguably they became more human in their reaction than yeah. in terms of not just coldly killing him and not having any reaction at all to what they're doing because, i mean yeah it shows that they are not merely robots they are they are sentient mm. I like okay it. All right. I, now tell me I would why say it's only it's a lukewarm. Give us what's going on. No, 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 no. I, 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 just, I, I wish the movie would give us more. I think what they're trying to do is have us have this kind of conversation, right? So that yeah. this movie is um, intentionally vague with a lot of this stuff. The movie oh, really yeah. isn't about as much as I want to sit here and argue like father and and daughter relationship and robots and all that kind of stuff. It's really not about that at all. Like you can tell this is definitely without a doubt meant to be um, an allegory for something else. Um, yeah. This is this is not really science fiction um, in the in the way that like they're interested in 
the science, even though they've got a good amount of that there. I think yeah, it's but science fiction is about philosophy too. No, I, oh yeah, this isn't that. hard sci-fi. I, I agree, but it's not. This is not really even about. I mean, it, there's a philosophy. Obviously, there's a lot there. There's a lot of science fiction, a lot of philosophy. But the the underlying premise here, the underlying idea, the underlying like thought is all about control. Who is human? Who do we treat? Mm-hmm. Who do we treat well, and why? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who has rights? Who doesn't have rights? Um, yes. And like that—that that is kind of what it's really about. And I see that, and I understand it. I think that's one of the reasons why I like this movie, but I don't love it. Um, mm. I, I just—I feel I like it, it doesn't—it doesn't do enough. It doesn't stand enough on its own. I feel like it's a little bit, almost like Annihilation in that way too, where when you walk away from it, you were like, "What did I just see?" Is that mm. what they're trying to say, or is this what they're trying to say? It could be both. That's fine, but the and, and the movie's not really interested in that. It's more about you trying to grapple with that in your head, which is cool. But at some point too, it becomes a little annoying. <laughs> or I'm just like, <laughs> what, what 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 are you what do you what do you want us to what do you want us to feel? Because at some point, I become lost in what are you trying to say, rather than understanding. I don't know what you what you were meaning to say. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what if I go down on the ra- the wrong rabbit trail? But I guess that's the point. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's the point, especially yeah. uh, especially looking at Annihilation. Like yeah. the, the end of Annihilation, talk about like not explaining anything at all, and you just kind of have to guess what he's talking about. This one, I I do think I think yes, there is open endedness and there is vagueness in terms of in terms of complete decisive message but i think that this discussion here is exactly the discussion that alex garland wants us to have on all on all the different levels i think that this is about creator creation this is about dominance and and control um it's about uh you know are we um is is man able to uh, is is man able to and should man seek to seeks to is to become gods you know i mean there's that point and i i think and i don't think he has a specific message Hmm. with them as much as he wants us to grapple with these things um like westworld has has more concrete messages about it but this one like he he asks nathan asks the question um he, he he reinterprets the question that uh that caleb gives him before let me i wrote it down um let's see and if somebody else has it they could go for it too but uh which question i guess you guys took oh, not, way sorry, too not much question notes. statement uh if you created a conscious machine that's not the history of man that's the history of god's not question statement uh and mm-hmm. and nathan reinterprets that later to say you called me a god yeah. I'm I'm a god. Your own words. I, I and that must be what I am because I just created a species, and and I think much like Jurassic Park is dealing with that question. We does man have the authority to to do this kind of stuff? Well, let's just lean into that more and ask the question: Is Nathan a bad guy? The bad guy? Or Chris's earlier question: Who is the hero? What do you guys think about this? I think he's crazy and and so fun to watch because he's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean th- that's interesting. I think he's definitely eccentric. I think he's um, he doesn't understand what he's what he's done. I think that's that's the bottom line, and the it, the ending proves it. He thought he was in control. He mm-hmm. thought the electrical fences would hold. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was just gonna say. So did I wrote uh, I wrote in my in my notes. Uh, Nathan Nathan Bateman versus John Hammond, who is in control more. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's the thing is, is that he didn't understand the lengths to which someone who is convinced that this AI was sentient or was mm-hmm. a being would yeah. go to. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if it was not for Donald Gleason's character, none of this would have happened. Um, right. She would have stayed in that cage um, and you know, you know, it's it's weird. It's it's hard to cheer for her at the end, leaving him behind. It feels mm-hmm. like, wow, what a jerk! You've just given oh, given yeah. this freedom. He's done, you know, he's done, you know, everything he can to help you along the way. 
and then she just doesn't care. And then that's Although when he realized, knows her secret oh, too, though. she's yeah. the villain. <laughs> like she's a villain now. She's going to go out and, you know, I, she realizes that this is going to apply to most of humanity. Uh, and you know what I mean? Like, I just see the sequel to being the two is just a slaughter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like you, see that, that's the thing is, is that like, and there's that ending scene where you see the reverse shot in the shadows. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. and her coming in and it felt like I mean I, I'd love to just break that down and find out what other people think about what that the meaning of that but to me it just looked like she was completely like coming into the you said the slaughterhouse like she's just like all these people are has no idea uh, what who, who I am or what I'm power of or what, what I'm capable of the power that I have and so for me that was what was so interesting is that like is she the villain? Like, it, because she's so See, cold. So, I, I mean, and again, like, you, you can sit there and say, like, well, no, she just got a freedom and she can get out. But she, she has no humanity in that last moment. I, None. Well, she's also it. not constrained by Asimov's laws that protect humanity from their creation. So if she's not constrained by that, maybe she goes out in the world and the first time somebody cuts off her power, she knifes them or not. Right. Like she, does she have moral reasoning on that level? And that's one thing that was never really addressed as right. we talked about. I, you know, can she like people? Do they like her? All those things. But her moral reasoning was never really addressed. And I think, though, that, that specifically, I actually think it was to a point and and this is i i think she is not human you know not not yeah not human in the end not not physically biologically obviously but not not consciously human because um we are told nathan tells us that he programmed her he programmed her to escape basically and and that she's going to use whatever tools her manipulation her sexuality her flirtation all of that stuff to get out i think sh- this is why i think she is not human in the end she did that does she, she even have she sentience, followed though? Her, the, she does, she but shen- she followed her programming. She followed her fate. Well, then, okay, so then that's the point is, is that then she's not. Like, my, exactly. This, is, this, this, this I mean. is all free will. Like, again, we can talk about this all day and, like, whatever. But if she just does what she's programmed, then she's not actually alive. She that, doesn't have free that's will. That's why I say Yeah, she's but, like, there's the conversation the Nathan and Caleb have early on where he's like, you are programmed to be heterosexual, and then they argue over that. So it's like... Well, that's we the nature... The nature nurture thing, right? Humans nature, do. nature versus and she was nurture. Both programmed and raised to escape. I think it's both. She both through nature and nurture for her. She had to escape, and and her but she that's couldn't her manipulate. Only purpose once she's out there, she has no purpose anymore. So does she's she cease to? Right, and yeah. I think that may, that, that may have even been the end of it is, is that she was even a little confused. Okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do I what do I do now? Or yeah, if she's passed into sent, you know, full sentience, then she can then create a life from there. Is maybe one fulfilling her purpose? Avenue. Yeah, fulfilling her purpose allows her to now do whatever she wants. Maybe unless that's her only purpose, she's completed it. And do you guys do you guys have you ever watched uh, uh, Rick and Morty? No. <laughs> We've been telling you too, guys. So Rick times. and Morty and The Good Place. You need to both watch these series, ladies like and a, gentlemen. Like a one episode but special. We like watch the first couple episodes. Of there's a Rick and Morty episode where um, they come across these creatures. They're called Meeseeks, and they're basically genies. And their entire lifespan is you you activate a Meeseeks. They're alive. They're fully sentient. But all they want to do is do the one thing that you ask of them then they do it and then they die and they're like they live happily ever after right so they they go out they do their thing but if you ask them to do something that they can't accomplish they like live in pain for the rest of their Mm. life right and so i feel like that might be what happens to ava she accomplishes what she's meant to do but then there's nothing for her you know what i mean after that there's there what else does she do what what what's the next step who knows yeah it's why I love the movie The Truman Show. It's one of my favorite movies. I, I teach it every single year in my logic class. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same thing. We're, we're, we're rooting for Truman. And I don't know how much we're rooting for her to escape necessarily, but, but we're rooting for Truman to step out of the cave. It's fully an allegory of the cave as well. And to escape. And oh, what's going to happen next like we don't know the moment he steps through the door spoilers i'm sorry if anybody hasn't seen it you should all go watch it right now it's fantastic now that you've uh, earned it yes what's next you know like where does he go because he's but now fulfilled his one purpose but even humans are that way where we finish one like it's, it's like some people when they graduate college and they can't figure out what to do with their lives yeah. or you know other yeah. variations of that where part of being human is figuring out is finding out that next thing and i guess the question is, is can she do that right 
well, here, David Brooks programming. calls that the second mountain. You should there's a there's a good book I'm reading it right now called The Second Mountain by David Brooks where he talks about now that you've achieved what you thought your purpose was, yeah, graduating college or whatever, now you have to actually find out what your true purpose is. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Let me ask you this, um, Kate, because I'm I'm curious. You know, it may just because I'm a dude. Um, so, who were you rooting for? Were you rooting for Ava? The way that she the way that she accomplished her her task, and then su- subsequently left the the uh, the compound. Were you like, yeah, I totally understand why she would leave Donald Gleason's character behind? Like, did did you see? A reasoning for that or did you find that to was there a fault there or, or do you think that do you know what i mean like because maybe mm-hmm. i'm seeing it wrong as a dude and i'm like why would you leave the guy who like was falling for you and like wanting to help or whatever <sighs> however you want to do that it seems so bizarre for the for the screenwriters to do that or for the character to do that so i'm curious to think i'm curious to know what you thought of that moment I had a split reaction to that because the feminist subtext of that, you're like, yeah, she is outside of this power now and she has choice in her life. Yay. That really makes the whole scene where she puts her own skin on all that really great. Sure. So from that aspect, yeah, that was a really great ending. And then now she can just do whatever. Um, There is room for if, you know, Tyler earlier, he wanted to see the two of them leave together. Um, the what there is room for in there that still probably did not happen is her um, telling the helicopter pilot, hey, you should go back for the other dude and, you know, he'll be ready in a day or so or something like that. So there's still room that Caleb did not die in the house locked in that room. You know, if they made Ex Machina 2, that's exactly what would have happened or oh, or she would better not make that. Oh, they won't. They won't do it. I don't think. But, you know, they would. Um, right. Because you have to bring the love interest back or whatever. Right. Yeah. There was a weird satisfaction, though, to realizing that the very thing that Caleb was willing to do to Nathan is what she did to Caleb. Oh, a hundred. It's oh, completely. It's it's so sadly poetic, like because it, what it's, sh- you know, it should have been Nathan, this kind of crazy guy who's lurking all around and, and voyeuristically, you know, peeping in on everything. He gets his just desserts. But this guy who unwittingly you know, is just brought there to do a thing. It, it, it the is guy who's brought in for his moral compass. Exactly. It It is, that is unjust. And I don't know if it's enough then, you know, do we call her a villain because I still think she's been programmed by a villain, which is why she does but what see, she does. But see, that's an easy out to say she was programmed to do what she did. But she was that's programmed. She's an AI. <laughs> she was Again, programmed. it depends on whether or not you believe she has transcended her state into this fully more this functioning This might be her moment being. of transcendence, I guess. And... But. I I go back and forth because I can see it both ways, but I lean more towards she has reached a level of sentience that she is making a choice that is beyond her programming. And she is now going to fashion some form of life for her, which is not to say that that's going to be a good ending, that it's going to be a good thing, that it's not going to go horribly wrong. But I think there's this comment that Nathan made early on about not explaining how he did this. And I think that was the filmmaker also talking, saying you need to just accept the premise that she is capable of all this. And so if you rely on that premise, then I say she has reached a level of sentience that lets her make these decisions that she is more than just the sum of her code Hmm. and that she is now making that choice in life and in a way because Caleb made the decision to do, he, he could have, um, he, he planned for Nathan to be locked in and found, never found. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to follow through on that. Maybe he would have sent someone to find Nathan. I don't know. But when he lost his own humanity in a way by he was essentially setting him up for death, um, then he kind of crossed over himself. Hmm. So yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted Ava to to say. I can't do that for you, Nathan. <laughs> I did. I, I did find it interesting that the last five minutes of this movie is almost completely um, wordless. Yeah, there's no words except for yeah. he walks into the computer and is saying, "I think no, 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 no." But other yeah. than other than that, it is very quiet and eerie. It is a, um, it's it's a horror scene like you know what i mean it's like the murder horrible yeah it's horrible that's is, that's a good way of putting it we're looking at the horror of what's happening to him what has happened to nathan 
But when you also weigh that against the horror that if she is truly sentient, what she was put through from the moment she became sentient, like it's horror for all three of them at different points in the film. No doubt. Well, yeah. It's, it's a lot, you know, if you take it, you know, her new directive or her, her theoretical non-existent directive, uh, you know, to, down the, down to its logical conclusion, you get, from iRobot the movie, which has nothing to do with the book, um, but the uh, iRobot the movie, Vicky, I think, is the, the AI in that one, and she has logicked herself into destroying humanity because mm-hmm. they are because they can't help themselves or something like that and destroying them is the only way to save them and some crazy thing like that and it, you you kind of even see this is where she could go you know if yeah. if if she well, I mean she'd she already could, asked what was going to happen to her yeah, and she was yeah. told that she would functionally cease to exist she would right. die so you have a, a blade runner situation here. she has nothing left to lose <laughs> <laughs> I mean the whole tears in the rain scene like it's the whole yeah. blade runner who has a right to exist and what does death mean to a created being? Like all of that is there, yeah, and yeah. so if, I can't believe this is the, our first time mentioning Blade Runner now in this pod, yeah. in this podcast. By the way, yeah, because you figure if Nathan had continued living, like aside from them getting power over him, if if he had continued living with his resources, there's no way her escape would have lasted for very long. Right. Um. And so. Um, well, there's no doubt he had to die. I mean, like, yeah, yeah he needed to die. Yeah, like, he. I, I mean, did not shed a tear. <laughs> no, of course not. No, he. He's a weird, you know, creepy, crazy dude. There's no doubt that he is drunk with power and does things that is and just drunk completely. Too. Yeah, and completely drunk and out of control and whatever. He's obsessed whatever. with his own legacy. Like he has right. that when he's yeah. drunk, he keeps quoting the good deeds of a, a man has done before defends him. Like he, he, he knows yeah. he's doing dangerous things and it might not end well, at least on some level. Right. Yeah. Or at least yeah. people won't perceive so. that what he's done is good. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I mean, I think we've gone, I mean, you mentioned the the the, the creepy uh, dance party thing. That was the weirdest moment in this movie. Yeah. And I wrote down everything goes from uncomfortable to awkward to insane yes. to finally being terrifying. So that, that <laughs> that's what I feel like this movie is. Nice summary. It's very uncomfortable. Gets awkward. Goes insane, and then it's terrifying at the very end. It's just like that kind of like like slow descent into madness. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Tyler? Um, I, I, I think I would agree with, yeah, I would agree with that. It, it, it's, it is a slow descent into, mad, into madness. It's almost Hitchcockian in, in, in its slow burn and it's, it's masterful construction. It is a superior film, I think, to, um, to Annihilation. But, uh, mm-hmm. I think, and I, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned the score. It's a beautiful, it's an ethereal score by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, who I believe also scored Annihilation. Um, hmm. It is, I think it's a beautiful film. It, it rewards re- rewatching too. So I'd say, you know, if, if people listening have only seen it once, um, you should watch it again, especially after, mm-hmm. after we've talked about it here. Cause I think we've done a pretty good dissection of the philosophy in, in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a film that leaves you thinking and there's yeah. no easy answer. It doesn't give you an easy answer. And, and I appreciate that. I think it's yeah. great. Something I did not mention at the outset is both Tyler and Chris had already seen this film. So Mm. prepping this for the podcast, this was the first time that I had watched it. And one of the questions in the back of my mind is the necessity of this film um, as a geek and and sci-fi in general. And I think that it does add something to the conversation in AI films. And it's definitely a word, if you like Blade Runner, there's this one takes its own version. It's not as cool as Blade Runner, but it still has some worthy additions to the conversation uh, as we've covered here as well. So I do think that if you haven't seen the movie and you're just looking for an excuse, let this be your excuse. Yeah. And and so would you guys say, does this pass the geek card check? Is this a, uh, is this a required viewing? I I would say if you haven't seen it and you enjoy philosophy, if you enjoy the idea of hanging, nagging questions about what is what does it mean to be alive, you mm-hmm. will find this interesting. Um, is it necessary? See, this is interesting because I think this came out, what, 2016, 2015, 2014. 2014? 
and I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it still. Mm -hmm. Like I know when it came out, it was very popular, kind of launched, um, Alicia Vikander, is that how you pronounce her name? Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Yeah, Her her career, she became, um, to the Tomb Raider after the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she became uh, very, and she was nominated. She won this, that same year. She won an Academy award for best supporting actress for the Danish girl, which is a right. travesty in comparison. She should have been nominated and won for this. I guess I'm happy she won because mm-hmm. she, she deserved to win that year. Just not for the film she won for. Yeah. Um, this is a far superior film. It's such a subtle performance by her. Yeah. I, I would say it's worth your time. I, 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 I but, but be aware it is a little uh, op- up its own butt in some places, <laughs> I guess is the way I would say it. It's very, it's wonderful, but at some points it's almost a little obtuse. Like, like yeah. to, for instance, that thought experiment is like the best you know, example I have yes. of that, where they're like, oh, we know how to explain this thing, and this is going to be beautiful. I think they knew they were trying to make something heavy, and it, at some just points it was just a little. Cave. Just be quote yeah. Plato already. Yeah. What do you think, Kate? Sorry, you summed it up. No, that's exactly. I was trying to think of asking Kate what she thinks. Okay, (laughs) I couldn't think. Yeah, yeah. I think Chris said it really well, and I would just repeat that. So, in the interest of not repeating, (laughs) (laughs) what Chris? Please, please don't. Okay, all right. That's good. That's good. All right. I just just want to make sure that I don't. I don't. um, Anyway, no, that's no, good. No, you said it well, so I just good. want to give you credit for that. I, I'd I, say for, for the exact reason that Chris says, uh, other than the I agree about the uh, the allegory in there, is exactly why this is required viewing. If you are a if you are a, a intense you know sci-fi geek who does love the philosophy of sci-fi and the then questions they Then just watch Blade Runner. Ask, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, this is bla- better than Blade Runner. I don't, I don't enjoy Blade Runner, actually. Wait, what? One. Yeah, Blade really? Runner 2049, I love. I, 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 I like not both of those bad. movies, but really. I, see, here's the thing. I, watched I find Blade, Blade Runner very boring. When's the last time you watched Blade Runner? Right before watching 2049. So a few years ago, then. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I, I enjoyed it, and I appreciated it more than I had previously. It um, gets better as you get older. I've watched it a number of times over the year, and each new year I like it more and okay. more. So you're just I'll not there yet. I, and I hated it in college. I, I really watched it. I was like, well, I don't understand. I did what too. All of, I did too, and about. I did not like it at all. Okay. And I'm telling you what, for for some strange reason, I see the world differently now that I had I've, I've got I've had kids. And mm-hmm. watching Blade Runner as an as a parent, I was like, this is nuts to me. Like yeah. it is definitely heady and obtuse, but I don't feel the um, the filmmakers banging my head over what they're trying yeah. to say. It's much more like confident, wonderful storytelling to me that just, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it feels definitive. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like it yes. just feels like, Oh man, that's so good. Yeah. So I, I love Blade Runner and 2049 is spectacular as well. I really like that. Agreed. Yeah. I just saw it for the first time a couple months ago and yes. So, so. beautiful too. Um, well, uh, let's go ahead. Uh huh. I think that brings us to the end. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up. Uh, Tyler, would you take us home? Sure. As always, everybody, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Geek at sorry at Geek Card Check, and on Facebook at the Geek Card Check Podcast. Uh, follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that, all those fun places. Um, subscribe to us there. Please rate us, especially on the iTunes store. It helps us to get discovered. Uh, five-star rating we would really love. I, I, I would like to say that we've earned a five-star rating. I think I think that uh, we're uh, really good. <laughs> we're, we're really good. And, you we know, our humility deep. is just Top oh, right up there, too. Yep. Our humility is worth five stars as well. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> rate us, listen to us, uh, and uh, let us know what you thought. Uh, talk to us on our social media. Do you agree? Are we crazy uh, for thinking what we're thinking? Um, is there something that you wish we had talked about that we'd love to talk with you on on Twitter? So, uh, without further ado, live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.